0: If you will, this morning, take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We are looking through this wonderful yet difficult letter of the Apostle Paul. It is a letter that I've said over said numerous times, that it is a a uh, letter that is written to a church in need of revitalization. And so we, we see that here as we have been walking through it, and you'll see it even more today. As I've said before, there or as we have seen before, there just seems to be one correction after another in this letter. And some of these have been rather difficult um, corrections in our day to deal with. Um, we've had to look at the, the issue of church discipline, How church discipline is in need of revitalization. Uh, We've looked at the issue of family as as such as how we walk through the issue of singleness and marriage, remarriage, divorce. Um, We've looked at um, the issue of who is to lead the church, as we saw the last couple of weeks of uh, that. As we are seeing in our day, where more and more female preachers, where Paul himself says this role is for the pastor only. And so these have been some difficult areas culturally and within the family and within the church. Um, but I hope and my prayer is, is that as we have walked through these that they've been edifying to you. Uh, I hope that they have given you, um, have fixed your understanding about the local church and, and given you an encouragement that our local church, our faith family is to be a healthy church. I pray that it has encouraged you not only in your own spiritual walk, but it has encouraged our church in the spiritual well-being of our faith family. Today's text will once again confront us with another issue. And and it will be uh, an issue that may be, maybe for some of us, or as a church, probably the hardest issue that we have to deal with. Because it's one of those things where you think you're doing really well, but then you find out you're doing the very opposite And so I believe that what we're going to look at this morning is actually a widespread problem across the American church culture. And so what I want to show you this morning is I want us to look at church gatherings and church events that dishonor God. Church gathering and church events that dishonor God. I've entitled this the Dishonorable Church Events and so uh, as we look at the Word of God this morning, here's, here's my hope, and here's what I think is going to happen, is that God is going to cause First Baptist Church of Jonesboro to self-examine itself when we gather. It's going to call us to a self-examination for, for gathering together and for all our practices and all our, all, all our activities. And in truth, as I said, this may be rather difficult, but I do believe it is going to be rather beneficial as we see the text, so three things that I want you to see this morning: dishonorable church events, and I want to show you three things. The church event. I want you to look secondly at the apostles' disappointment, and then thirdly at the suggestion for correction. So you have the church event, you have the apostles' disappointment, and then you have the suggestion for a correction. And so, look with me in First Corinthians chapter eleven, beginning in verse seventeen. But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you, because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in your eating, you, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. What? What? Do you not have houses in which to eat or and drink? Do you or do you not dis, or, or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this, I will not praise you. May God bless the reading and the preaching of His Word this morning. We come now to the church event. It is something that that all churches of our day that we do, and it, as we see here within the text, that it is actually things that happen, that the people of the, of Corinth were gathering together, not just for worship, but they were gathering together for other reasons and other practices. We notice there first that Paul talks about the instruction that he is giving them. Now, when you see this, when you read where he talks about this, this instruction, you need to understand that it is a mandate. It is a, it is a call to obedience from authority. So you have like the commander who says to his troops, these are my instructions, this is how you are to behave yourself, this is what you are to do, this is what you are to practice. So the Apostle Paul is the commander as the Apostle, he's given apostolic instruction to the church that they are to follow here. And so we see that the context of this is within the Lord's Supper. And so as I was beginning on Monday to begin reading this, I really thought we were going to be talking Lord's Supper for the next few weeks, but, but the Lord showed me otherwise. You see, uh, we're gonna get to that, but, but, but first, understand that the Lord's Supper is an ordinance given to us by Christ. So this is not just an instruction given by Paul, this is an instruction given by Christ, who, as we saw in the previous verses, He is our head, right? Christ is our head. So, so he, it comes from the Father to the Son to us, and we are to practice this obediently. We do this by when we come together that after the preaching of the Word and the worship that we eat of the bread and we drink of the wine or the grape juice in our case. And, and there we, we remember and celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is a serious event. And all the things that we do within Worship Beloved, you need to know this, that for many churches, it's, it's, I find it interesting that they do all the things that are not commanded, and yet they tend to not do the very thing that is commanded, which is the Lord's Supper. And so the Lord's Supper testifies to the sacrificial death of Christ, to His body, to His blood, how it paid our sin debt, and that all who would repent of their sins can... Uh, Be saved and be brought to the table. This is a command given to Christ. This is a command that Paul is now taking up as the father of this church that we are to take the Lord's Supper. Now, when we get to verses 29 and 30, what we find is, is that you can gather for the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And according to verse 29 and 30, you can eat of the Lord's Supper in such a way that God will bring judgment down upon you. And so he tells them that there are those who have gotten sick. And those who have fallen asleep or who have died. Why? Because they partake of the Lord's Supper. Or partake of the Lord's Supper in a way that was unworthy. And so we find that this is a very serious thing. But there was something else taking place here. That before they would take of the Lord's Supper, there was another event, there was another activity taking place. The problem wasn't just with the Lord's Supper, but it was also this thing called the love feast. Now, this was a fellowship meal that took place there within the church or within the homes of the Christians and so what they would do is they would gather, uh, on the, on that day to eat. They would bring their, they would bring their casseroles. They would bring their homemade ice cream. They would bring their potluck, right? Fellowship dinner on the ground. And they would meet and there they would eat and fellowship with one another. And then afterwards they would take the communion and the Lord's Supper. And so the Christian would gather not just for the sake of eating and food and socializing. They would gather for fellowship. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47, we read this. You may remember this very fondly. Uh, um, You may remember this. It says, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so here we find... The church gathering for a meal and eating, whether it was at someone's house or whether it was at the church. You would think of our own potlucks, our own dinner on the grounds where you would bring food. And, and so some of us, you know, may have the ability to bring more and where others are not able to bring a lot, but it doesn't matter. We, we bring food and we lay it, we lay it on the table and there we get in, we get our food and we go sit at the table and we meet with one another. We talk with one another. We love and fellowship and do life with one another. The only difference is, is that there in their day they would take the love feast and then they would take the Lord's Supper afterwards. We, this has been separated and you'll see why throughout history this has been separated, mainly because of this text. We instead take the Lord's Supper after a worship service, after the preaching of the word, we do that. Okay? And even the love, even our love feast will take place after a service like this. The love feast was a wonderful event. It was a wonderful church practice in which all the people would gather together with their with their faith family and they would enjoy one another and it would bring great benefits to each other. It brought not only the physical nourishment but also spiritual nourishment and encouragement. They would sit down with one another where they would fill their bellies but they would also fill their hearts with joy as they got to talk with one another. They would fill their souls with encouragement. Remember, these people were being persecuted at one time or another. And so for them to be able to come to the table and have a meal with another brother and sister, they could share their persecutions. They could share maybe some of the struggles they have within their family because of their con- because of the conversion that they've now experienced. Whatever the case, but it blessed them spiritually. It portrayed the grace of God in bringing people together at these fellowships. Because think about who would have been there. Jew and Gentile, right? Jew and Gentile would have came together like none other before no other time in history before and they would have sat down at a meal with one another enjoying one another's company not only that you would have the rich and the poor would come together and not and not only that the poor who couldn't bring much to the table the rich would and they and they would say brother eat it up and take it with you take it home with you not only that you would see even men and women who would come together. Because as we saw last week, we know that in those days that, that there was this kind of deal. Uh, Christianity rose up and began to show that women were equal to men. And so they began to bring them into the participation of the service. So so women were were now brought in where normally it may have been they had cooked the meal and they stayed in the back afterwards, but now they're at the table with the men, men and women and children at the table with other men and women and children rejoicing in fellowship the rich as I said provided the majority of the food think of the how this alleviated the burden of the poor for a night or more than a night I I don't know if their potlucks were like ours but normally there's a lot left over and we start grabbing our doggy bags right we start getting our takeout boxes I just want you to know that my surgery tomorrow my gallbladder surgery I blame all of you because every time we meet, my wife brings home all these takeout boxes, and I just feel this out of great love for you that I have to eat all that food. <laughs> I blame nobody but myself. Maybe some other people, but, anyways. It portrayed a gospel witness, not only, it also portrayed a gospel witness because outsiders would see the power of Christ's redemption. Oh, look how they love one another. Once they were enemies, once they were divided by their ethnicity, and now they come together. They're being persecuted, they're being they're discouraged, and yet they come and they eat and they feast. What a witness to the world of the power of Christ to save and bring joy. Not to mention, they took the Lord's Supper, the word was preached. Beloved, it was a beautiful picture of Christian love and fellowship. <clears throat> This is what the local church does. This is the beauty of the church practices. This is the beauty of church events. This is the beauty of ice cream socials and potluck fellowships. We do life together. We come together and we eat together. We sing together. We play and laugh together. We may weep together. We may share together our difficulties and our trials we may share together our victories and our encouragements we help one another together but most importantly you need to understand that when the people of God gather we are gathering to accomplish biblical mandates biblical instructions that the apostles have given to us that God himself have given to us such as fellowship discipleship evangelism missions service and yes worship the things that a local church does and practice has a purpose. So I want to say this again. Let me restate that. But I'm, going to re- I'm going to restate it this way, okay? This is important. The practices and the events of a local church should have the purpose of accomplishing biblical realities. You didn't come here today. I hope you didn't come here today just so you could put off this on your to-do list, just so you could have some breakfast in your Sunday school class, just so you could hear some good singing. I, I pray that that's all maybe the icing on the cake, maybe, but at the end of the day, you came for the purpose of worship, to worship the God who gave His, who gave his Son for you. The praise is not in the love feast. The praise is not in the event. The praise is not in the ice cream socials or the potlucks. But in in the purpose that it accomplishes. That when we gather for the love feast and the potlucks, we fellowship. We have embraced and we have practiced the fellowship of the brethren. We have when we come to sing, we have practiced worship. And so with that in mind, I need to ask you a question this morning. I need to ask you a very difficult question that you need to take seriously and heed this morning. Do you take the activities of the local church seriously? Do you take the activities of the local church seriously? Now, do you take life together with the faith family seriously? Or is Sunday just on your calendar and you've got to get that out of the way? If the practices or the events, if the gatherings of the local church provide an opportunity to accomplish the biblical mandates that God has given you, that He has commanded everyone in here individually to accomplish... Do you participate? So when there is an ice cream social or a potluck or whatever, a work day or a service day or an outreach day, do you come knowing that you will accomplish and be involved in the practice of fellowship or worship or or whatever the mandate is? So take again last week the ice cream social, knowing that it was an opportunity to fellowship with faith family. And by the way, I thought we had a wonderful time last week. We had a great number of people here last week. So, so, so I'm just using that as the example this morning because it is fresh on our minds. But, but do you go elsewhere to fellowship with the outside world while the faith family is fellowshipping over here? You're doing something else. You had it in your calendar you were going to go, but something worldly came up. And you had to go do that. Something else came up. It may not even be a bad thing, but something else came up. But the faith family met, and while they were fellowshipping, you were not fellowshipping with them. And again, we're not legalistic. This is not saying that if you miss something that you're sinful and wrong. But brothers and sisters, we must begin to look at our lives. Do we have a consistent pattern of not participating and not fellowshipping and not worshiping with and not serving with? Do we have a consistent pattern that the only life that we do together is on Sunday morning, maybe Sunday night and Wednesday night? You are called to worship the Lord. You are called to sing with one another and to give praise to God. So do you prioritize the participation of worshiping by attending worship and prioritizing by participating in singing and making much of God? Or do you skip and go somewhere else and give your voice of praise to a sports team? To a recreational hobby? Something's happening at home on the television. Whatever it may be. The faith family gathered. And you had a chance to fellowship. You had a chance for service. You had a chance to reach your Jerusalem with them. To be a part of life together with them. But you consistently do not engage the faith family evangelism you've been called to evangelize the church and we we go man i just wish i could lead more people to jesus and yet every time maybe the church does gather together to do an outreach service are you there Paul says, I give you these instructions that these are things that you need to accomplish. Now again, the events can look different, the methods can look different, the gatherings can look different, but at the end of the day, there are biblical purpose in these things at which we need to do. And so brothers and sisters, hear me this morning. If you claim that God is a priority for you, then why do the activities of the world always seem to come first? If God is my priority and sanctification and and fellowship with Him and and, and being a good Christian is my priority, then why is it after something the church is going to do that is on the calendar and I say that I'm going to go, but at the last minute something else comes up and I go, i got to go over there. Y'all do it. Y'all are good. If God is a priority, then the church is a priority. And gathering with the church... Whether it is even sitting down at the table to eat some chicken and dumplings. I know it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But in the eyes of God, when the rich and the poor, the black and the white, the Jew, the Gentile, when the, when the man, the woman, the children, when you and me sit down at that table and we are rejoicing with one another, God says, that's a big deal. And yet we trade the eternal purposes of God for the temporary things of this world. And so therefore, shouldn't the efforts of the local church, a church that is coming together, take precedence in your life? Hear me, beloved. I believe one of the reasons why we are not, that the only, the reason why so many people only do Sunday morning and maybe a couple other things is because they do not understand what the church really is. They do not view the church as, they just view it as another worldly association rather than the body of Christ. Well, stop viewing these practices and these activities of church just as events, as another, just as some kind of another country club. Instead, view these as opportunities. I get to fellowship with the saints. I get to sing and worship my God with all my brothers and sisters. I get to serve my Jerusalem. But now notice the disapproval. Unfortunately, there is a ditch on both sides of the road. Where Paul here gives instructions that they must follow, he then follows this up and says, I do not praise you because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. So there's a ditch on the both sides of the road. There's one where we do nothing with the church. We don't do life together with the church. But there is another where we do life together, but we do life in such a way that is dishonorable to God. The Greek word for worse means lesser or the opposite of. The opposite of that which is sound. And so, in other words, this gathering, this love feast that they had was the opposite, had the opposite effect of honoring God. It had the opposite effect of building up and edifying one another. In other words, it was pagan. If it does not honor God, it does not edify the saints. It was pagan. But, but they were at church. They were doing church things it was pagan it had the opposite effect of which it was intended it caused dishonor and it caused great harm physically and yes even spiritually and so notice the ditch on the other side of the road that though the corinthians had gathered their actions dishonored god leading paul to say that it would have been better been better if you didn't gather and so all of a sudden we're left going well which is it There is a proper way in which we are to gather, and we'll look at that in just a moment. But first, let me show you this. Notice why this gathering dishonored the Lord. Verse 18, he said, For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part, I believe it. So first what we find is is that when they came together, they didn't walk across the aisle and fellowship with one another. They stayed in their factions. They stayed in their cliques. They sat at their table. So the rich were over here and the poor were here. The Jews were there. The Gentiles were here. The women were there. The men were here. And the kids were out playing and doing. And Paul said none of you were coming together. None of you were going across that aisle and fellowshipping and building relationships with one another. The older did not fellowship with the younger. The rich did not fellowship with the poor, Jew nor Gentile. And this is an expression of disunity within the church. This is an expression of disunity in the church, that that there are those who are being left out. This is an expression, beloved, of of disunity and, and also a lack of evangelism and a lack of hospitality. When new people who are coming to the church, when they're a guest here at our church, they've only been attending for a few weeks or a few months, and we have a fellowship, and they sit at the table by themselves. And no one goes across the aisle. No one goes to sit. No one goes to talk. Paul's saying, you are expressing a a disunified body. A body that lacks hospitality. And this went so bad that the poor, though this event had the purpose of the poor taking their their take-home plates home, Many of them didn't even get to eat, and they would go home empty-handed, and they would have no food for the rest of the week. And so they were hungry. So Paul says they gathered in disunity. Beloved, church activities are meant for you to fellowship with the whole church, yet sometimes we tend to only fellowship with our closest people. But notice also they gathered with the wrong purpose. Look at verse 20 and 21. He says, therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first. And one is hungry and another is drunk. We find now that they gathered for the wrong purpose. They made they made this event. um, The reality of this event was fellowship and worship. But they made it about something else. They got together and they had a really good time. We're going to have a love feast. Oh, we're going to fellowship. And then we're going to take the Lord's Supper and we're going to worship. Yeah, yeah, all that's good. But man, there's going to be a crowd. And everybody's going to know about our crowds. And we're going to gather. And it's just going to be so fun and entertaining. And, you know, so-and-so is going to sing. And so-and-so is going to do this. But but we're going to fellowship and build one another spiritually. Yeah, yeah, Don't we're not worried about that. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, okay, we'll get that. We'll tack that on at the end. But this event is going to be big. They made more of the event, that the event became worldly. So much that when they would come to the church event, when they would gather it for the love feast, they got drunk. Because they wanted everybody to have a good time. And so the event took place, and many people came, and a lot of fun was had. And if they got to the Lord's Supper, they came to the Lord's Supper drunk. With hard feelings and disunity. Churches today are no different in that we care more about what the world appears on our events. We care more about our turfs and our, our, our events and our practices that, you know, how many people came and what people think and are we keeping up with the Joneses? We care more about those types of things than rather did we worship, did we fellowship, did we evangelize. But not only that, they gathered in self-interest. Look at verse 22. Paul says, what? Do you not have houses in which to eat or drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? You see, they came to get their bellies full. They came because they knew the food was going to be good. There there were reasons for going going with self-interest. I'm going to bring home food. I'm going to eat so-and-so's food. We're going to to drink a lot of good stuff and get drunk and, and it's going to be a wonderful night. Many times people sing solos in the worship service so that they themselves would receive applause for their talents. Some people serve in the church and do certain things and lead certain things and show their creativity in the church so that they may receive applause for their creativity in their leadership. Youth and children's activities become far more about the entertainment and the games, and then we tack on some type of Bible study at the end. We can go on and on with examples of, love. how when we come, it's just about personal interest. Brothers and sisters, hear me this morning. Self-centered Christians who use the church for their own satisfaction are no different than the money changers who turned the temple of God into a den of thieves. Self-centered Christians who use the church for their own self-interest, their own applause to make much of themselves to gain something for themselves are no different than the money changers who turned the temple into a den of robbers. We use the church in all that we do that we may gain our own applause. Charles Hodge said it this way, the church does not come together to do what can be better done at home, and I would even add to be better done at home, or school, or ball field, or American Idol. Hear me, we're not them. We're not America's Got Talent, we're not Chuck E. Cheese, we're not Disney World. This is the church of God. And we are the people of God. And so when we come, beloved, we are not coming to do here what we couldn't do somewhere else or what we could do somewhere else better. We come to fellowship. We come to worship. We come to serve. We come to, we come to be gospel witnesses. We come to do missions. We come, we come to disciple. Paul says for these reasons, he says that when they came together, it was not for the better. It was for the worse. And so here's the question that every local church needs to consider, beloved. Is it possible that when we gather for worship or Christian practices that we are, are we dishonoring God? Are you dishonoring God when you come to church? Because you come so that you may be applauded. Are you dishonoring God and, and are you hurting one another when you come making the church about you and about other things rather than about God? Is it possible there are church practices and activities that would be better that we not do them so that we would not harm others spiritually? And yes, beloved, there are times that people walk out of the church and we applaud and we rejoice. And yet... What we've done is we have sealed them in their unbelief because we did not preach the gospel. I watched this at a revival one time and a man was preaching and I was one of the counselors or whatever. And so we were all down at the football field and I watched this and this, this, this little boy, he was literally kicking a can. He was, he was playing and just walking around there. The invitation was gone. He had no idea what was going on. He was playing. I watched a man walk up to him, and he bent been down, and he had a car, and he said, he'd done like that. And the boy said, yeah, yeah. He goes, okay. So he just signed, and he said, all right, let's go. As someone who has done youth ministry and counseling over and over and over again, I hear people who say, teenagers who say, I was baptized, but I had no idea why I was baptized. I, I remember him doing this. He told the story, and I was really sad. We do more harm than good to them. Is it possible, beloved, that a church in and in its practices and its worship services can dishonor God? Absolutely. Let me give you three quick examples. Exodus 31. The people of God gathered. They sang. They ate. They worshipped. It was a golden calf. And God killed many of them. Leviticus 10, Aaron's sons came. They wanted to spice up the, the sacrificial system, and so they made strange fire. And God killed them. And then we know Jesus not once but twice cleansed the temple because of the behavior of the Jews dishonored the Lord. FBC, God has called you to honor him in this church. God has called you to take this church and to, to be a part of this church but to protect this church and make this church look like the bride of christ that he intended it to be and not some worldly harlot. we cannot justify unbiblical methods and practices to achieve the very purposes that god has called us to and so that was the problem of corinth concerning the lord's supper <clears throat> their means were unbiblical and I fear that this is a problem in our own day. And so I give you four suggestions for correction this morning. the number one, beloved, we examine ourselves, our salvation. Then, if you and I have been convicted that, that maybe you have not prioritized the church gatherings or participated in a or maybe you have participated in the dishonorable ways of the church, harmful way, that, that you are misguided and you wanted the church to become more worldly because maybe you thought that was good because it just attracted people, but, but, but like the love feast, it just examine your heart today. Maybe you were, maybe the fire that burns or the fire for Christ is not there to, that the church be the bride and that we honor Him is not there because Christ is not in us. Now, I think that's what Paul meant here when he says this in verse 22. Do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? Do you have no love for God that you would do these things this way? If that is the case, beloved, I would call upon you to repent this morning. And I would also say to anyone who is not a member of the church, that you understand that Jesus died for you and died for me. That he laid his life down. And so if you are not a member of the church and you want to know what a true church is, I would encourage you to become a member of our church. And you do this by accepting Christ and repenting of your sins. The one who laid his life down for you. The one who, who took upon your sin to the cross. If anyone who is not saved this morning, I call on you to come know Christ. And know the true purpose by which the church exists, that we may proclaim the gospel to you, that you may come to know him through the preaching of his word. But I would say, secondly, the church must stop praising church practices that dishonor God and harm people. Beloved, it is time that we stop praising activities and things that focus more on the hype and look more worldly than spiritual. That is pagan. We must not be like Satan who dresses ourselves up as an angel of light, but deep down we are of the world. And so therefore we stop praising things that focus more on, on the worldly things rather than the spiritual reality. Stop praising events where preachers never preach a Bible text, but use stories and emotions to convert people. Stop praising events. That we are more concerned about who comes and the number of people rather than do I get to fellowship with the saints or worship God. And, beloved, it's time to start praising the events that accomplish the very purposes of the Bible. It's time to start praising those little fellowships, those potlucks, those business meetings. When we gather together and we sit at the table with our brethren and we get to rejoice in Christ with one another. It's time that we start to celebrate and see the beauty of the, of the events that we're going to do. So, so for example, I I can't think of the date, the 11th or 18th of September, Trey, uh, FBC loves Jonesboro. You're about to hear a lot about that, that there's things coming up where we want to love on our community. So these are things that we praise because, and we praise them for what they are, that we are reaching our Jerusalem, that we are reaching our Jerusalem. We also need a faction of approved saints. Look, look at verse 19. Now this is going to sound weird, but just notice. He says, for there must also be a, a factious, he says, factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. So, so what Paul is saying is that division is not all, always bad. It does shine a light. That there are those who have moved away from the majority and those who have shown themselves to be faithful, approved saints. So we need approved saints at FBC. We need people who have set themselves apart and who stand, that they may stand to hold our church accountable. We need a group of people who will fight within this church. Not just the pastors fighting, not just the deacon but a group of people who sit amongst the pews who are fighting for the health and the growth of FBC. Who are, willing to lovingly, who are willing with love to push back against naysayers. Who are willing with love to push back against complainers. Complain and nitpick over the little things. Who are willing to push back against the uncommitted. To call them up. When people start to complain, the approved saints stand and encourage them to see the good and see the purposes that we are accomplishing. That when church members start focusing on the events or the self-interest rather than the biblical reality, the approved saints stand up and call us back to what our purpose was in the beginning. And when people begin to prioritize the other things, the approved saints call them into the church, into fellowship. Now, PC, we need some approved saints in this place. You are needed in this place to be one of those types of saints, a group of people who are willing to fight for the honor of God and the edification of the church, the edification of the saints, the very purpose by which the church was built and given to us. And we also need genuine, selfless members. Fourthly, we need genuine, selfless members members who attend and serve for the right reasons, who leave their self-interest at home, who leave their pride at home, who don't view the singing as a means to showcase their talents, who don't use the activities to showcase their creativity, who, who don't use the church that they may gain something for themselves. They view the church as a place to worship Christ. They view the church as a place to fellowship with those that are like them. And that those that they have committed to be with, they view the church as a place that they can carry out their call to fulfill the great commission. A church where they can be the gospel witness that we have been called to be. As Charles Spurgeon says, "Beloved, we need wise members. We need," he says, "some go to church to take a walk, and some go there to laugh." And some go there to talk. Some go there to meet a friend and some go there for a time to spend. Some go there to meet a lover. And some go there for a fault to cover. Some go there for speculation and some go there for observation. Some even go to doze and to nod. But the wise, they go to worship God. So FBC, who are we? Are we a wise people in a wise church? What kind of member are you? Are we people who are invested in one another and we are going to do everything we can to make one another a priority? And are you a people who are willing to be approved saints, who that are seeking with all their heart to make sure that the local church honors God every time we gather and edifies the saints. I call on you this morning. You need to be those type of saints. Let's pray.